0: Hey, it's Juice and Mo. Before today's podcast, we want to encourage you to help us out. And it's really easy to do, Morgan. Really easy. So let's say you're listening on Spotify right now. Go flip over to our page and go, "Uh,
1: I'm going to give them a five-star review. Yeah, but like that, make it really intense. Yeah, yeah.
0: You could be doing it right now as you're listening to us. Same thing on Apple Podcasts. And all that does is help our channel grow so more and more people get to hear the deuce and mo podcast it's a really simple thing to do we'd really appreciate your help
1: thank you for taking the time to do so
0: now let's start the show
1: deuce and mo
0: deuce and mo deuce and mo they tell you what they know deuce and mo deuce and mo deuce and mo the podcast that you know welcome into the juice and mo podcast our draft coverage continues we don't claim to be draft experts no and you may listen to other podcasts where people who watch nba all the time claim to know everything about these guys in the draft i've got some breaking news for you at this hour
1: they're lying to you they are lying to you (laughs) yes frauds
0: they can do something that no person's really capable of and is consume basketball literally 24-7-365. It's hard to do.
1: No, that sounds like an amazing life, but you're right. It's almost close to impossible.
0: We don't think it here. <laughs> all right. We'll do our homework. We'll watch stuff, but we also like to talk to people who cover it and watch it all year round. So our draft content continues with Jeremy Jeremy Wu. Long-time writer over at SI, now doing work for ESPN.com. He's been working on mock drafts. Enjoy our conversation with Jeremy Wu. One of our favorite guys to talk to around draft time is Jeremy Wu, now doing work with ESPN. He's one of our favorites. Usually around this time, we're talking about, all right, Kings lottery, what's hmm. going on with the Kings, the lottery. The Kings aren't picking until number 24, so we got to talk about that. Uh, but Jeremy, how are you doing during this wild time for you?
2: I'm good, man. Uh, you know, just sort of the same old, uh, it's a lot of being on the phone, a lot more writing, uh, but I always think it's nice this time of year cause you feel important. Uh, you know, in, in July, no one will be as focused on the draft, you know, and then I take a break, but, uh, for, you know, for now, you gotta just kind of enjoy it. I think.
0: Well, I remember talking to you last year around this time. And even back then we were talking about Victor Wembenyama it's kind of crazy. And here we are, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. I'm curious from your perspective, like what, what type of growth have you seen from him over the last year?
2: Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. I think maybe that's one element of, you know, I know we spent a lot of time talking about Victor. Uh, Maybe that's one thing that like, if I could hammer it home, uh, just how much better he's gotten in a year. Wow. I honestly wasn't 100% sure what to expect, uh, you know, when we got to Vegas uh, for those games in October, uh, just because you know you're working off of clips, uh, and uh, he didn't have an amazing uh, season last season. Uh, you know, he was still on track to be the number one pick, but it wasn't. I think no one was 100% sure that this like complete dominating breakout was going to happen, uh, and then you, then you saw it, and it's you know it's uh, just unbelievable the way that he has sort of become a shot creator uh and and like a real sort of focal point of his team uh you know in the situation that they put him in uh it's been great to see um so you know and the guy's the real deal I don't think there's too much doubt about that
1: yeah I think uh, a lot of people try and pick apart maybe certain aspects of his game and Really, there's not much to it, but then when you look at everything going on with him physically and people keep talking about how he's growing, you just did a piece on the guy who is helping to keep Victor Wembanyama healthy. Um, you know, we see how serious Victor takes his game, but how serious he takes his body and how he wants to keep it healthy. Uh, what What is it about him and the guy that has been helping him?
2: Yeah, well, I just think, you know, they've done a good job, um, sort of his whole career to date of kind of putting him with specialists and getting different opinions and consulting on the best way to keep him healthy as he's continued to grow. Um, I think from speaking to Guillaume, who is his his uh, trainer, who's the, also the the strength and conditioning coach for his team, Uh, who they brought in sort of to work with him specifically this year. I I just, I I think it's sort of refreshing. They're they're pretty focused on doing it the right way. They're patient. They're not trying to have him be over-muscled right away. Uh, You know, people ask me that all the time, um, just sort of casually, like, well, how is he going to stay healthy? Well, he's not really an interior player. Uh, He's a perimeter player. Um, He'll do some things on the inside, but, like, uh, he's going to get hurt if you throw him in there, playing center 35 minutes a night, but, uh, he's so skilled and he can play on the outside, uh, which is why I think to some extent he kind of transcends that a little bit and, you know, they're just focused on him, uh, being durable, uh, flexible and just sort of keeping his body active, um, to just sort of prepare for the the workload and the stress, uh, you know, with big guys who move around a lot, you know, we see stress injuries in the feet a lot. Uh, they have him do a lot of stuff barefoot, which I think is very interesting. Uh, and he hasn't missed a game yet this season. So knock on wood, it seems to be working. And again, all these guys play a lot, have the ball a lot, you know, their injury risks and it's definitely heightened with taller guys. Um, but so far, so good. I think it's really all we can ask for.
0: You've been doing this for a long time. You've seen a lot of prospects over the years. Where does he rank? Is he near the top for you in all the years you've been doing this?
2: yeah i've been doing i guess it's been a i guess like a decade or so i mean for for me it's no question he's the uh best prospect i've seen um just in terms of his being as young as he is uh with the body type he has it's all very unique um but also from speaking to him and going over there and kind of getting a better feel uh for the situation i mean he's a very smart guy he's very focused uh he kind of checks the boxes for what you hope uh you know, someone who's going to be under this much pressure, this much of a microscope right away, uh, as much as you can help someone to handle it. Like, I think he's pretty well equipped to handle it.
0: And of course, he's going to the Spurs, which just seems like <laughs> the perfect situation for him, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, clearly, they have a good history of uh, developing bigs, and uh, they're in a position to, I think, with their salary cap, uh, where they have flexibility They've kind of cleared the decks. They have some young guys, but also uh, we'll have some flexibility in how they choose to build the team out. Uh, they, they don't have to hit the gas right away next season and try to make the playoffs. So they can, uh, but my guess would be they'll kind of take it as it goes. Like I, I doubt you see them go all in right away. Uh, you know they'll want to manage his minutes and his workload too. You know as he gets used to playing the full schedule. Um, so those are all things I think we'll have to sort of see how it goes. Um, but I, I do think that you know, I think we can trust San Antonio to put a good plan in place and they'll probably be pretty good, uh, in a couple of years.
1: What are you more excited for with Victor Wembanyama? his offense or his defense at Ooh. the next level?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I, I think the offense is what we all come for, you know, the tough jumpers and the, you know, you get your popcorn out and you watch and it's like, wow. You know, I was, yes. I was on the call for his game on, on Sunday and uh, some of the shots he made in the second half after not really making any shots in the first half are really impressive. Uh, it takes confidence to do that. Uh, the defense, I think we almost take it for granted because he's just so, he's so tall and he's so impactful. Um, but I think, I think we'll see both. And I think the defense may actually translate uh, faster uh, right away just, just because of how long he is. And, you know, if you're a guard and you're driving into the paint and you know, he's there, um, like it's on your mind. Um and I, I think just, just the visual and sort of psychological impact of, of having a guy like that down there uh, makes a big difference where, you know, his shot making will be there, but it's going to take him a little time to be efficient uh, and sort of figure out, you know, how he can be most effective. And that's going to take a little time, but uh, I don't doubt that he'll get there.
0: Do you see a lot of star potential in this draft? Is it a deep draft? Like what what's your kind of overall view on the talent level here?
2: You know, I think there's, it's a good, it's it's a solid lottery uh apart from victor i, I think everyone else kind of comes with some some caveats and some questions um so I, I probably i tend to be a little bit skeptical just generally when i do this just just sort of how i am uh it's not like a personal thing with players i just tend to err on the side of caution um but i think um i think it's a solid draft i think we'll see you guys have good careers i don't know if it's necessarily going to be in the order in which they get picked um just because just it is a little bit flatter uh where there's not a ton separating some of these players and a lot of it will have to do with situation uh, so it's going to take a few years to bear out uh but i, I do think it's a it's a decent draft it, it thins out a little bit faster you know we saw a lot of guys go back to school who uh could have been late first maybe probably you know early to mid second round and that sort of changes the depth of the draft a little bit um but I, I think overall, they're players worth getting excited about who are going to have solid uh, NBA careers.
1: You talked about how Victor has just only gotten better and better. Um, Scoot Henderson is someone that we've seen a lot of change with his body over this last year, obviously just growing, um, maturing, and everything. But what about him and his game? Have you seen him? take a leap i know they they stopped him playing pretty early in his season how how are you feeling about scoot henderson at the next level
2: yeah i think scoot's a really good prospect um this season for him it was kind of like he had the, you know the amazing first game uh, going head to head with victor uh in in vegas and then never quite reached that level again he was kind of banged up all season uh the spacing on that ignite team was not like amazing um, it wasn't just, just from like a roster construction standpoint. I don't know how well uh, they fit together all the time. Um, but, and also I think sometimes I think you talk about scoot or the Thompson twins or whatever, who, who are, you know, in these sort of NBA pathway programs for two years. Uh, I think sometimes there's an element of like boredom sometimes that can sort of set in for these young guys. And it's not like a critique of the the teams, but it's just you know, spending two years knowing you're going to the NBA, it's really on you to get better. Yeah. Uh, the surroundings is kind of the same. Like, I, I just think there can be an element of stagnation. doesn't necessarily mean anything in the long run. Um, but that can happen too. So, like, it wasn't, like, an amazing season where he, like, made a giant leap from where he was a year ago. Uh, but I do think he's gotten better. Uh, I do think he's a, he's number two for me, uh, whether he goes two or three or what. Uh, we'll, we'll have a very solid NBA career, at least. So...
0: We've got much more with Jeremy Wu coming up, but we should mention that today's podcast presented by our buddy Sean Stanfield over at rate.com slash Sean Stanfield. If you're wondering,
1: can I afford to buy a house?
0: You should hit up Sean.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I've said this before, but there's not a lot of people out there who just like love being on the phone, talking about these things sean's a great texter you can just throw sean a text you can throw him a text he can talk talk to to he can definitely talk to he can do all the things he can email talk text whatever way works for you in communicating sean will do he's even had some of our listeners send over all their numbers to see what they can and cannot do can they refinance they ask him and he sends them a customized video mm-hmm. of all of their numbers and everything that works for them. He's just such a helpful person. We've known him for years. So if you're looking to refinance your house or you just need to know and have so many questions, hit up Sean.
0: You could do that at rate.com slash Sean Stainfield, or give him a call or text him 916-276-7563. That's 916-276-7563. That's equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. NMLS ID number 349707. Company NMLS ID number 2611. NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Thanks so much, for our friends. It's
1: Guaranteed! Great! Right. Right.
0: Guaranteed! Great! Right. We're also presented today by a New York Times best selling author, the one and only T. R.
1: Reagan. It's summertime. You need a summer read and mm-hmm. T.R. Reagan's got all the creepy, weird, twisted thrillers <laughs> that you need to read before bed. So then you also have nightmares and so you also <laughs> sleep with one eye open and check all of your doors 24-7. Yes, that has been my life ever since I've picked up a T.R. Reagan book and I'm dead serious. I was too afraid to read them for so many years. So finally in my 30s is when I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do Millions of people have bought these books. She's a New York Times bestselling author. I was like, what's It can't be that bad uh it's so amazing i can't put them down but i'm also creeped out so if you want to be on that level make sure to go to amazon.com search tr reagan or you can go to her website trreagan.com you can get a kindle hard copy whatever you need to get your summary done
0: today's episode is sponsored by nerd wallet smart money podcast nerd wallets trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity In the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money.
1: The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year.
0: Yeah, and it's a really confusing time, by the way. There's all these documents, especially with us, like we are managing finances together because we run a small business together there's all these different papers there's all these different forms what do you do you listen to nerd Wallet smart money podcast yeah
1: because then you can be making a balanced budget and not just for everything you're doing with your business how about for some time off after an nba season even
0: that sounds amazing so you know what you need to do listen to nerd wallet smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app future you will thank you the latest mock draft you and Gavoni did for ESPN.com has at this at the moment, and we know things are going to shift here, uh, has Chris Murray going to the Sacramento Kings at number 24. I, I like Chris Murray a lot, and there's like a lot of comparisons, obviously, to Keegan in, in their style of play. Um, do you think there's a, a chance that he will be there at 24? Because a part of me just has a tough time seeing him move, like fall past 19 with Golden State
2: yeah I think it's possible yeah. um you know it depends like you said golden State's a good one good uh, example it depends on which way these teams go um if you if you look at the draft order and um you know teams that are trying to win now uh Chris is a guy who I think is ready to come in and knock down shots and space the floor and like do do valuable things he's he's low maintenance sort of like keegan in that way where like he's not going to have to dominate the ball to be effective. Um, he, he's not, I doubt he'll be as quite as impactful as Keegan was as a rookie. Um, but I also, I, I think we have to try to not fall into the trap of like comparing twins. Cause it happens or brothers in general. Like yeah. it always happens. Uh, like we did it with like Lonzo and LaMelo and, you know, different, different, there's always like similarities, but, um, I do think there's a chance he could be on the board there in the mid twenties.
0: And do you see the similarities though, between the two? Because like you said, it is such an easy thing. It's like, yeah, they're, they're very similar cause they're identical twins, <laughs> but like, right. It, it seems like they might have some similarities in their games.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's funny. Like, uh, I, I would always joke, you know, I mean, so Chris is left-handed and Keegan's right-handed. So you could always tell, uh, obviously like when they shoot the ball, which one is which, uh, having like watched them a lot at, at Iowa, um, but and also, I think you can kind of tell them apart when they're together. When, when they're not together, it's harder. But when they're together, I can always tell. But uh, I, I think they're a little bit different. Um, Chris, it's funny because he was always reputed as the better shooter. Uh, but then we saw Keegan take a really big jump as a shooter yeah. uh, last last spring and then carried that over into the season, obviously, with the Kings. Uh, became a really good shooter. So um, I do think he'll have that element. Um, I, I don't think he's as aggressive of a scorer. Um, it's, it's kind of funny, like also with twins, oftentimes guys grow up playing as teammates and they kind of like fall into different roles. Like, I mean, you could talk about it in the context of the Thompson twins as well. Um, it's always like one twin is the more aggressive scorer. And one of them is like a a playmaker. It's a little different because Chris is more of like an off ball scorer. Um, but you know, he does some of the same things and obviously they're, they're somewhat similar physically. I think Chris is a little bit smaller uh, than Keegan, at least last time I saw, um, but I think he'll have a, a solid NBA career. I I don't know if he'll be a all-star or anything like that, but again, there's just a need for guys who have size and are uh, consistent uh, and can, can shoot and can kind of hold their own and compete on defense. And I think he'll do those things.
1: And another guy that a lot of Kings fans have been talking about is uh, Trace Jackson Davis. What, what have you seen with his game?
2: Yeah. Trace is an interesting case study because he, he had a really productive career uh, in Indiana, but like, never seemed like he was adding much to his game uh, the first few seasons. And then uh, finally, as a senior, he kind of broke out and the team had more success. And I think people start to look at him in a different lens a little bit in that way. Um, sort of undersized for a four or a five, whatever, but uh, going to be a productive rebounder i uh, going to finish, you know, he really only shoots with his left hand, but he's really good with that left hand. So like, he'll. I think he'll be effective. Uh, he's not going to be like a post-up player or anything like that, but uh, I just think we've seen enough guys who have the athleticism and the productivity history, like him sort of had success uh, and he's experienced. Um, so I think he's someone team's view, you know, you can plug him in and have him come off the bench. Uh, there's probably not as much upside as some of these other guys with him. Uh, but can he be a solid uh, rotation player, sure?
0: You know, you talked about the kind of the talent level and maybe the drop-off a little bit, and there's not a lot of separation in this draft. Um, do you, Are there some names that maybe are projected to the in the teens that you could see potentially falling in the Kings range at 24?
2: Yeah, I mean, so I would keep an eye on, I mean, you could see it. Well, if you just look at the shape of the draft, it's a lot of guards. Uh, someone has to fall a little bit. Uh, it's it's tricky because you have those two Brooklyn picks at 21 and 22. Uh, and I think, at least for me, I kind of view those two picks as kind of a backstop where uh, Brooklyn is sort of at an interesting stage with their franchise where they're kind of in transition. They can kind of take whoever they want, uh, and they'll have two picks if they use them both. Uh, so you could see them just kind of like snap up whatever falls. Uh, so it kind of like creates like a break point to me in the draft right there. Um, but I, I think you could see guys like maybe like a Bryce Sensaba or like a Colby Jones or um, even like maybe No Clowney, like guys like that, maybe slip a pick or two later uh, and, and into that mid twenties. And uh, you know, I, I think the Kings will be in a spot to grab someone they like uh, if if they use that pick.
1: And the Kings also have two second round picks. And are, are there any guys that are flying under the radar, uh, second rounders that are flying under the radar for you?
2: Um, Well, it kind of depends on what you need. Like, I don't know that the second round is, like, the strength of this draft on paper. Um, Like, it kind of thins out a little bit. Uh, But guys who might be there, I mean, 38's not a bad pick. Uh, I mean, you look at, you know, there could be sort of experienced college guys who can kind of step in and help, like a Jalen Wilson or a Keontae Johnson or, uh, you know, so someone might fall there who's going to help them. Uh, I I think the interesting dynamic to watch for, too, is going to be, you know how teams use second rounders with the new collective bargaining agreement um sort of coming in like uh impacting teams' ability to keep first rounders at times right so like uh with the second round picks I think teams will sort of prioritize getting guys they like whether it's on a two-way or a guaranteed deal uh, those contracts become more valuable now like being able to develop talent and retain it um sort of due to the technicalities of the CBA so that's something thats sort of a complicated issue but We'll, we'll be worth keeping an eye on to see, you know, if teams are as eager to sell those picks this year or, or use them.
0: Do you have a guy in the, in the draft that maybe he's like being overlooked, but you're like, Dude, I really like this guy. Like a like, draft crush. Yeah. A draft crush. We, we keep asking <laughs> these experts like this is kind of my draft crush. He, maybe he's not like a highly touted guy, but someone you're like, I actually think he'd be really good at the next level.
2: Yeah. Um, for me, like it, it's been sort of like the older, some of the older college players who I think probably aren't getting, Super hyped because they're maybe a little bit boring when we talk about like when we throw their names out like Jaime Jaquez from UCLA I love uh, I think he should be a first round pick I don't I don't know if he necessarily will be I think it's definitely possible um, but he's not gonna get drafted like high right but I, I think he'll have a really long NBA career just very solid in a lot of areas and then uh, Marcus Sasser from Houston another player who I love who again I don't think will be there at 38 for the Kings but um, I'd be surprised if he were but. Uh, you know, might, might go into the second round early second. Um, someone who I think will be able to add value playing both guard spots. He'll make shots, uh, he'll guard. Well, like just, just a rock solid, uh, experienced player. Like, I think those are the type of guys in this draft where, um, sometimes you think yourself out of it. Like there are a lot of guys who are younger, who are maybe upside development picks, um, and you're in the twenties and you're like, oh, well, we'll just try and kind of see what we can get. But, uh, sometimes as a result. Uh, those guys who are already pretty good uh, get overlooked. So, uh, those are two names that I really like. Uh, you know, in the twenties or I mean, really anywhere you can get them.
1: You, you've already you might have already named some of these, but um, who have been some of the biggest risers in the pre-draft process?
2: Yeah, well, it, it's been interesting. I mean, I, I think one really hot name is uh, Bilal Koulabali, who is Victor Wemanyama's teammate in France. Yes. Uh, so they're still in the playoffs uh their team just made the finals so so they they won't be over here probably in time to do any workouts not like victor will have to work out but uh bilal uh won't probably won't be able to do any workouts uh stateside uh but certainly someone teams are are really interested in uh and he's been playing really really well uh during this last uh few weeks particularly uh, after not really being able to get into the rotation throughout the season like when i was in france in, in november he was uh, not playing a lot, and he he didn't play good that well in the game. You know, he was playing with the younger team, and I went to watch him, and he wasn't playing that well then. So he's really, I think, come a long way in a short time, and he's got, uh, you know, a great uh, physical traits for a wing. Uh, he's developing uh, some skill and some shooting and is is really impactful defensively already. Uh, and he's still 18 years old, so he's someone who I think is is rising, even though he's not really going through the pre-draft process. Yeah. I think just by, by nature of everybody seeing him play, uh, and being aware of him, I, I think he's helping himself. Um, and then I would look, you know, coming out of the combine. I think probably the two, the two hot, hotter names were uh, Olivier Maxence Prosper from Marquette, and then uh, Brandon Pajemski from uh, Santa Clara. Those two guys played well in the first day of the combine, um, and, and I think are sort of working their way into that late first round, maybe even closer to like the around twenty, like at least to be in the conversation. Um, just, just with their productivity and, and the way they've sort of handled the, the pre-draft so far. So, again, we hear a lot of things this time of year, and it's kind of hard to know who's really rising. Uh, but those two names have come up a lot with teams.
0: I got a couple of uh, questions from our listeners. One from our guy, Umizi. He wants to know, how do you judge shooters shooting during combine workouts versus their actual college Ooh. shooting, their actual college numbers?
2: Uh, yeah, if I have to be honest, like, I don't really look at the drill results at all, mm. uh, personally. Like if I'm, I'm always at the combine. So like if I'm sitting there and I'm just like watching people shoot, uh, like I'm watching just to sort of see mechanically how it looks, uh, and just sort of like going off sort of the vibe of like how someone shoots, like how confident, um, how they're, you know, how the reps look and how consistent they are, um. You know, I, I think it's hard to be too results obsessed with shooting, like, unless you're looking at, like, a really large sample. Like, that's always going to be more indicative, right? Like, any one day, anyone can make shots. Um, but I think you have to look at it that way. But in, in person, there's still some things you can sort of glean just from watching. Like, if you watch enough games and watch enough players shoot. Um, but it's always hard. It's hard It's hard to know. It's hard to project. Um, but, again, the, the, bigger, the bigger data sample is always going to be more instructive than, you know, how, how you shot in a drill one time. Right, right. right.
0: Praneel asks, what type of prospects do you generally believe have a tendency to become the best NBA players, like a certain archetype, whether that's high IQ defenders, elite shooters and cutters, etc?
2: Yeah. Um, for, for me, I'm always kind of trying to focus on uh, feel like that's a big thing for me. Like, I really like guys who are unselfish um, to the point where like sometimes I think I probably undervalue guys who shoot too much. Uh, (laughs) But like my thing is I always think like the NBA already has enough scorers, right? Like most teams have established guys in place who are good scorers and are going to score the ball. So like unless you're really an elite level scorer and usually we know who those guys are as prospects. Like my, my question is, you know, what else can you do? Like, it's you know, it's nice to be able to have obviously a scoring element to your game but like i want guys who are going to share the ball uh who are gonna compete defensively uh and and sort of do those small things like you know you can simplify it as role player traits right but like um you know for for me that's a big thing i look for because if i'm building a team like personally my preference is i want guys who move the ball and share it Uh, and i think if you look at really if you just look at the teams that have had the most success like if you just look at the nba finals for like the last that's decade. It. Like if you look at the teams that have made it, it's teams that share the ball. Yeah. Most of the time. With are few you, exceptions. And
0: as someone who covers the draft like you do, are you just amazed at Miami's ability over the years to find these guys that go undrafted, they put them through their G League system, develop them like Duncan Robinson. We called some of his G League games. You know, Gabe Vincent, who we saw up close play with with Stockton. I mean, these guys have turned into impactful players at the next level. It, it It's amazing.
2: Yeah, it, it's funny. Like, um, and I, I give Miami a ton of credit. Like, um, they're very small for an office, but their guys are, like, always on the road. Like, uh, I see them all the time. Uh, and uh, people also have asked me, like, you know, do you think other teams will try to copy what they've done? where you know miami hasn't always had draft picks uh, but they do scout the g league really hard and they find these undrafted guys and like you know i have to admit like when i saw duncan robinson at summer league like however many years ago that was like i didn't think he was going to be a guy giving you minutes in the finals at all um (laughs) but they do an amazing job of identifying these traits and uh you know going through the back door finding guys who can kind of fit their what they want and they send them to sioux falls and then you know bringing them into the heat sort of when it's time uh, but I think it's hard to replicate. Um, certainly you can scout the G League harder, right, and and try to find these guys who have had to earn it over time. Uh, and they're going to be more of those stories, and they're not limited to the Heat, but, like, uh, they really have a knack for it. Um, and, and what they're doing works. And it's, again, we could all go to 100 G League games and wouldn't necessarily find, you know, Gabe Vincent, yeah. right? Like, it, it takes some skill to do that. So props to them for sure.
0: Well, Jeremy, props to you for the amazing work. Glad you're doing stuff over at ESPN and enjoy this run. I know you, you work all year for the this big moment of the NBA draft and it's quickly approaching. You're busy. So thank you so much for the
2: time, man. No, I appreciate it. It always kind of sneaks up yeah. uh, and then it'll feel it'll feel good like uh, the day it's over. So.
0: <laughs> well, well, will enjoy. And are, do you
2: go to summer league at all? Uh, I generally do. I have okay. not booked my okay. flights yet, but all right. Well, maybe we'll see you out another, there. I will, I will. be there. Okay.
0: So. Yeah. We'll we'll see you out there, and uh, we appreciate the time as always. Always. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. Deuce and mo. Deuce and mo. Deuce and mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and mo. Deuce and mo. Deuce and mo. The podcast that you know. Deuce and mo.